This is the No Dogma Podcast. I'm Brian Hogan, and tonight I'm joined by Dylan Reisenberger, architect and lead developer on the open source project Poly, and he's joining me from the UK, so it's quite late where he is. Thank you for taking the time, Dylan. Hey, Brian. It's great to be here, and uh, thank you for the invitation. To start off, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I guess I got into software development like a lot of people did. I was a self-taught developer as a teenager in the 1980s, assembly language C, that kind of thing. I just one of those people who was hacking into software, became interested in language design and parsers. Went off and did a degree in mathematics at Cambridge, and then actually went in a different direction. Oddly enough, I went into book publishing and actually ended up working on the Addison Wesley series of software engineering books in the 1990s. And uh, that's quite interesting now, thinking of where we are now with object orientation, because actually it was only just coming in then in the 1990s. You know, Java was the new big thing and the universities we were producing books for were just in the process of switching from teaching procedural programming first to objects first. So it's kind of, you know, from where we are now with .NET, that's quite a thing to think back to. I think .NET wasn't even out then. Um, fast forward a little bit, and I've been a .NET developer for 13 years, right back since version 1.0 was out, and I'm currently working for a university that's uh, engaged in a monolith to microservices transformation project that uh, I guess a lot of organizations are. And um, I've architected a lot of the microservices architecture for that, which is how I got involved with the Poly project. And we're going to discuss in more depth a little bit later, but just briefly, what is Poly for someone who hasn't heard of it? Yeah, so um, it's a resilience and transient fault handling library. So Poly is there to help you with all the things that might go wrong in your kind of inter-service or inter-process communication patterns in the new connected world. So... We provide ready-made primitives for common patterns like retry and circuit breaker, bulkhead isolation, things that we can talk about in more detail as we go through. So, for example, if I wanted to make a, a web API request, I could use Poly to wrap it and it would be more resilient. Exactly. Um, so, exactly. So, we provide policies that you can use in all of those kind of scenarios, to, yeah, to help make your connectivity more resilient and deal with the realities of connectivity in a, a distributed world. But I might post to you, you know, I've been doing this kind of thing, Web API, for quite some time, and I've been making my request, and it's been okay. I've been doing okay without Poly. Why would I need Poly now? I guess it's it comes back to that, um, you know, the, the fallacies of distributed computing. I think Peter Deutsch was uh, famous for for, for stating out the number one fallacy is is the network is reliable isn't it um and and of course it isn't and i guess that the popularity of these kind of patterns has grown and grown lately because everything is so connected isn't it we've got our mobile devices we've got our wearable tech if you've got your apple watch now our internet of things devices in the home but also because if you're building an enterprise application these days, it's not just a kind of front end and a back end and a database, is it all in the kind of one stack? You tend to have a group of microservices behind. Your whole applications are in the cloud. Um, you might be calling out to a cache database, to third-party APIs. So there's just a lot more integration points between systems that 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 leave you exposed to 
to things going wrong or to not being able to serve the page if part of the page if if you're not able to connect one of those things so Polly is trying to help your system not go down or give a result more quickly if one of those components isn't available can you talk a little bit about maybe the history of Holly, how you got involved with it and and the like yeah so um it's actually a project that's been around um since about 2013 and um myself and the app next team have been involved um for the last 18 months so uh, i think there was an original contributor called rinat abdulin who had kind of some of the core ideas but it's really michael wolfenden who uh, an australian developer who turned it into the poly project um but um in november 2015 he came forward and said he wanted to step down hand on the baton so the uh, app vnex consortium didn't want the project to founder so myself and Joel Hulan stepped forward. Um, I just thought it was a lovely concept. I'd started using Poly in the microservices implementation that um, I was involved in architecting. And I just thought there was a huge potential uh, to grow it, to bring more to the community with it. Um, uh, I was excited by the way it was architected actually as a, as a library and, and what we could do. Um, so we came forward and now I am oh, architect and lead developer. It's just a title, isn't it? But it's really about being the concept, being implementation. Um, I drive the roadmap and obviously we're taking a huge amount of um, input from the community as well. But um, yeah, at Next came forward because we wanted to support this kind of project to keep it going. Are you seeing a lot of uptake in industry of Poly right now? Yeah, um, it's um, hugely so. And um, we get a lot of interest from Xamarin folks um, who are particularly want you know, mobile devices obviously will go in and out of connectivity. So they're particularly wanting to look at their uh, uh, connectivity or whether they can retry things if the if connections are unstable. Um, there's also a lot of interest from people um, doing consumer-facing websites with with high volumes and in that are kind of cloud hosted and um, maybe that's something we're going to get on later but you know we want to add metrics to poly to to allow some of those um, large installations to be able to kind of instrument what's happening with their connectivity as well so you gave us a, a very quick overview of what poly was but poly is uh, part of the bigger world of resiliency frameworks how would you describe a resiliency framework to someone that hasn't used one? Yeah, so it's about providing patterns that make your application more stable. Um, we've talked a lot of, uh, so far about connectivity and uh, uh, allowing you to kind of handle drop connectivity. And we can talk in a minute about specific policies for that. But resilience is, is partly about that. It's partly about dealing with faults and transient faults. And it's partly also about good practices to adopt stability patterns that will, um, you know, allow you to handle load better and handle scale better. Um, maybe a good idea is to talk about some specifics so people can get some ideas of, of individual policies. I've been playing with Poly for a little while over the last maybe a few weeks or a month or so. And the most useful thing so far to me has been the retry pattern. So can you talk about that one? Yeah, that, that's a really good place to start because I think that's something that, you know, everybody can get their head round immediately. So um, 
I guess that's when we talk about Polly as a transient fault handling um, helper library. So the premise of retry is, is, you know, maybe it's just a blip that might be a transient fault. So what do we mean by that? That's the kind of fault that might self-correct itself after a few seconds. So maybe it's a, a blip in network connectivity. Maybe your operation's been um, chosen as a deadlock victim in an SQL transaction. Maybe just the underlying system you're calling struggling under load a bit. Um, maybe then that call is worth a retry a few seconds later um, because it might succeed. And if you're not doing that, you're just having the immediate failure and, and having to do whatever you do in your application about failures, telling the user or, or losing that operation. Whereas if you can put in a retry, maybe you can get over those transient faults and not have to do that. Um, so examples of retry policies, you know, you might say, I want to retry this three times. In some circumstances, you might want to say, I want to just keep retrying all the time until it succeeds. Um, th there are risks with that, that you could carry on retrying forever on something that won't succeed. So we don't necessarily recommend that, but it's it's available. Um, and I guess the other really common thing with retry is to introduce a pause before retrying again to give the system you're calling a little bit of a break and place that call a few seconds later and when it might have a chance to succeed. Another thing I noticed on retry was the, sorry, I, I use the term there, on retry, you can execute a method or a delegate and do something. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of at one level with the policies, we let um, you say what you want to do. I want to retry three times or I want to retry three times with a two-second gap between each try. Um, but as well as that, when the policy intervenes in your execution uh, and, and takes an action for you, like it orchestrates that retry, we also let you as the developer hook in another developer uh, hook in another delegate to run that we call, say, in this case, the on retry delegate. And, you know, that's really useful for logging an instrumentation. So if you want to capture the fact that you had to make three retries until you got that process to succeed, or if you want to capture the fact that you failed after all retries, um, you know, you can use those kind of delegates uh, to do that. And, and all of the policies have those those delegates when the, the policy is doing something for you. I've just realized we haven't explained what a policy is or where a policy lives in your application. Yeah, that's that's a really important point. So the, the basic process with Poly is you define a policy um, for your resilient strategy, whether it's a retry policy or a circuit breaker policy. We can talk about circuit breaker in a minute. Um, and we use a kind of simple expressive fluent syntax for that. So you might be saying policy.handle HTTP exceptions with retry three times with two second gaps, say. And when you do that, you've defined a policy instance. And you can reuse that instance anywhere around your application. It's not tied to a particular piece of code. So somewhere else you can go away and say policy.execute some delegate. Um, and uh, the policy is completely decoupled from the piece of code you want to execute, um, which, which gives you a nice decoupling in terms of the architecture. And then you were giving an example of a HTTP exception, but you can specify what kinds of exceptions too, like a timeout, a 404. Um... Exactly. So um, 
you can specify just one kind of exception you want to handle. You could specify, you could say handle HTTP exceptions or some other exception. Um, you can even go into predicates. So you might say um, SQL exception with error number 2305 or something. That's a Boolean predicate on the exception that's being thrown. And actually, we let you handle result codes as well, uh, as well as exceptions. So the classic case for that was um, HTTP calls, because often HTTP calls are returning errors, you know, as a status code, as a 404 or a 503 or 500 or whatever. Um, and actually, the standard .NET HTTP client doesn't throw exceptions for those. It, obviously, it returns the underlying HTTP status code. So we've got examples on the PolyWiki where we show kind of range of status codes that you might choose to retry that might be worthy of a retry and um, you know show you how to set up a policy to do that. If I'm using retry and let's say something's going wrong and it's going repeatedly wrong, won't just retrying and retrying lead to more load and cause even more problems? Yeah, that is a really good question. And um, a common pattern that kind of helps deal with that or bridges the situation is that people do commonly use a retry with exponential back off. So what we mean by that really is that you make your retries at ever increasing intervals in order to not overload the system. So if you've got a whole bunch of, as you say, if you've got a whole bunch of threads all retrying at the same time, that might add a lot more load. So a common pattern is to say retry after one second, then after two, then after four, then after, well, I'm going to go 15 here, not 16, but you get the idea. Everyone can hear the powers of two in that. Um, uh, even I missed out eight. So you space out your retries so that you're not actually hammering the underlying system. Um, but of course, you can get cases where the underlying system has completely gone offline and you want to take a different approach. And, and maybe that's where we should talk about Circuit Breaker as well. Yeah, please. Yeah, so um, I guess Circuit Breaker is the other main pattern that a lot of people come to Poly4 and the intent of it is slightly different from retry. So the intent of retry is, you know, as we've said, maybe it's just a blip, it's a transient fault, it's worth a retry. And Circuit Breaker is saying, how do we detect when that system is actually down, really struggling and stop putting calls through at all? So the kind of premise is actually stop doing it if it hurts. Um, so the analogy is with an electrical circuit breaker in your house. You know, if some electrical device goes rogue or you've got too many things plugged in and you're drawing too much current, what used to happen in the old days before you had electrical circuit breakers in your house is you draw more and more current and the wires will get hotter and hotter, you know, and fires are starting because of that. So the circuit breaker is a, like a fuse but resettable. The circuit breaker is a device that's designed to trip first, to break the circuit if something's seriously going wrong, to protect other components. So software circuit breaker is exactly the same principle. Um, so it measures the rate of faults in calls being placed or the, action, the actions you're executing through the policy. And if faults exceed some threshold, maybe the percentage of calls faulting or the number of faults in a row, we offer both those versions, then, then the circuit breaker will break the circuit. Uh, and what that means is while the circuit is broken, we actually stop putting those calls through and the circuit breaker will throw an exception immediately of a type that lets you know the circuit's broken 
and that fails the call fast. Um, what's the point of that breaking the circuit? Well, two things: you're if that underlying system is struggling, then by breaking the circuit and stopping putting calls through, you give it a chance to recover. So you give that system a chance to recover. Um, the other thing is in terms of user experience, you start failing fast. So if some system's gone down, you don't want all your users waiting on 30 second timeouts watching a spinning disk. You know, if you can go back to them quickly and say comments aren't available at the moment, you know, we all see these things on websites. Um, don't keep the caller waiting if your measuring device, the circuit breaker, has detected that the underlying system is down. Okay, so with the retry with the exponential back off, you're keeping the user waiting for two, four, and so on. But with the circuit breaker, you're immediately letting them know, I'm not even going to wait and retry for you. Yeah, the, the, the circuit breaker has detected that things are bad enough downstream that we don't even want to try putting this one through at the moment. And of course, then you can put up a substitute response, a fallback response, which we also have a poly policy to help you with. Um, I suppose it's worth kind of completing the story on the circuit breaker. It, it breaks only for a fixed time period, which you can configure to give the downstream system operation a chance to recover or maybe for failover to kick in if you've got a primary failover pair and it might be in the process of failing over or scale out to have more capacity, whatever. And um, after that time period, it kind of goes into a, what we call a half open state where an individual trial call or some trial calls will be put through to determine whether the underlying system is recovered and whether to close that circuit again in other words whether to allow calls through so yeah the difference from retry is that retry is aimed at transient faults can we make it if we try again whereas the circuit breaker is a uh, saying should we stop trying it's a protective device what if i've got um multiple calls to endpoints but all going to the same let's say end system and if one circuit breaker realizes well this endpoint is unusable the likelihood is that all the other endpoints are unusable too. Can you circuit break across multiple uh, requests? Yeah, that's a great example. And that's a pattern that, that we've got recommended on the wiki and that we see people doing. So it's exactly as you say, if you've got, if, if from your web front end, say you make call to four different endpoints all on the same microservice you might put those all through the same circuit breaker so if that circuit breaker detects because of the calls through one stream to one endpoint that that underlying system doesn't seem to be operating at the moment it breaks because you're sharing the circuit breaker across all four calls to the same system it'll break in, in common if you like for the other calls too so the other calls will have the benefit of that knowledge and also not put the call through so so when designing how to deploy your circuit breakers you can um choose what to group together on the basis of what you believe is likely to fail in common or not can you in some way string together a retry and a circuit breaker yeah um people often want to do that and um we supply uh, a policy called a policy wrap which just essentially lets you take two of the existing policies and wrap both of them around a call and lets you specify in what order they'll operate. So again, that's a kind of common pairing that, that people use to get um, the benefit of both worlds. And then along with the circuit breaker and the retries, poly, uh, excuse me, 
Polly also has some stability patterns you can talk about. Yeah. So um, retry and circuit breaker, if you like, are both fault handling patterns. Um, and then there's a timeout policy as well, which is, probably makes sense on its own, which is also aimed at faults. But But they're all saying, if there's a fault how can we put in a policy to help the system respond? Um, there are also some other policies which are aimed at stability patterns, aim at, aimed at allowing you to create stability in the first place. So um, one of the major ones is bulkhead isolation, um, which is a little more complex to describe. Um, but the essential idea, well, the metaphor here is from from large ocean going vessels which are divided into compartments called bulkheads um, which are sealed off from each other so if the hull of the ship is punctured in one place only that one section of the ship might flood and it can be sealed off from others so that the whole ship doesn't sink you know the problem is contained to that one section so bulkhead isolation is the same concept in software really we want to prevent one fault from bringing down the whole host um, so it's it's really about limiting the number, limiting the quantity of resources that um, a particular stream of cores can can use. So a classic example is if you've got a faulting downstream system that a lot of calls are backing up against, and or we might have a lot of threads then blocked up and waiting for those calls to return. You know that could quickly chew up all the threads in a host if you don't have any kind of bounding on it or. or if you've got a CPU intensive operation and you get too many requests on it, you know, it could quickly chew up all the CPU in a host. Uh, and that can lead to cascading failure because if you chew up all the resources in the host, you know, other operations are not going to be able to run that, that even might have been fine on their own. So bulkhead isolation is about putting separate groups of calls into different bulkheads so that their capacity to bring down the whole system is is limited um, and essentially underneath it's just a, a parallelism throttle um, but the software term for it is is bulkhead isolation um, and you could think of it if you like as assigning a thread pool of a certain size to, to run that work probably doesn't actually manage thread pools for you because you know with the whole async await thing and the task parallel library and task schedulers we've kind of all moved on beyond manually managing thread pools um, but it's a it's a parallelization limit to prevent one stream of calls bringing down the whole host and is that just a policy in the same way you have a retry policy it's exactly just a policy so anything poly does is just a policy you can define so in this case you can define a bulkhead policy saying i want my parallelization limit for this operation to be up to 30 and you can say if that limit succeeded I either want calls to queue for a certain number or I want to reject them straight away. Um, and, you know, looking at this in a cloud, in the cloud, another thing that people can do with that is use bulkhead capacity as a trigger for horizontal scaling. Um, so on all of these policies, we um, we also expose where policies have state, like the circuit breaker policy, uh, the state of the circuit or the bulkhead policy, how full that bulkhead capacity is, how many calls are being put through. We expose that state publicly so that um, you can monitor it in your application. So in the case of bulkheads, you can use that to trigger greater horizontal scaling as a kind of custom metric that you feed to um, 
Amazon or we feed to Azure or whatever, they can both take custom metrics. So you might say, well, if this bulkhead is hitting capacity or before it hits capacity, we choose that as a metric by which we're going to say we want to scale out another instance. When looking at some of these, um, the things that are available through Poly, like the retries, the bulkhead, the circuit breaker, I get the feeling that in some ways this could substitute for queues that you might use, or it might delay your necessity to use a queue in an application that hasn't reached that point. Yes, there's there are elements to that. I mean, bulkhead policy is really about managing load and saying beyond that, I want to shed load or I want to scale out another instance. Um, there's a a slight technical difference between retry and using queues based on what you've asked. And I suppose the difference is what would happen if your application goes down. So then it's a question to you, uh, to you or to the developer about how important it is to never lose that information. So I suppose if you were setting up a retry with one of those nice exponential backoffs that said one second, two, four, eight, 15, 30 seconds. You know, if your application goes down in the middle of that 15, 30 second period, then you've lost that call. So the benefit of having a queuing system in place is that obviously you can put that message out to the queue and once you've got it into the queue those technologies like RabbitMQ are guaranteeing not to lose that message for if you use the settings in the right way guaranteeing not to lose that message for you um to answer your question in a different way in the work um that we're currently doing where i work we use poly with queuing systems to make sure that we get our messages to the queue so if you've got your kind of classic microservices set up where you've decoupled your services by using asynchronous communication rather than synchronous so you're using messages between them you've got eventual consistency those messages are representing important business events you know it's really important not to lose a message but you might have the same issues um, about transient drop of connection to the messaging server um, so you can put in all of the policies that we've already talked about to help make sure you get your message to, to your messaging system We've talked quite a bit about the policies and the theory around it, but making a call, um, let's say you have an endpoint. Traditionally, what I do is I have my HTTP client. I uh, create an instance of it from the Microsoft One. I tell it the, the server I want to connect to, and I give it the URL, and maybe it's a get or a post or whatever. What changes when I want to use poly to protect, let's use that word, that call? Yeah. So what we've tried to do is is make poly need as little changes to your code as possible, both in terms of how you actually code it and in terms of how it affects the way your code runs. Um, so you have to define your policy. You can define that in place, or you might have defined it somewhere else, say centrally on startup from config, and you might have put it in a registry or be passing it by dependency injection. We can kind of talk about patterns like that. but you you configure your policy and when you've got to the point you the particular operation that you want to protect so on http client it might be um get async or if you've then got the stream back from the client it might be read stream async it's at that point 
and your original call would have been something like, you know, response equals HTTP client dot get async. And just in that line, you say response equals my policy dot execute. And there's some curly braces and stuff for the delegate dot execute get async. So really, it's just a kind of simple change there in that one line. Um, and if you're using the policy wrap to combine retry and circuit breaker, again, you can combine them in the wrap in advance. So you've just got a single line change in your single line where you make the call. And then the type you get back doesn't change at all? The type you get back doesn't change. So um, you can execute any delegate through a policy. It can be uh, an action type, void returning, or it can be a result returning uh, a funk that returns some T result of, of absolutely any type. Um, so it doesn't change the way you need to use code before and after your call, apart from the fact that your exception handling gets much easier. Most of what we've spoken about here with retry, circuit breaker, bulkhead, it all sounds to me like either to do with networking or with load. Would would you use poly if you had some other problems? Yeah, so there's absolutely no reason why you can't. And I think it's a really good um, question to draw out. Network and communications is the kind of classic use case because of with cloud computing and mobile devices, you know how important that is these days. But poly you know, it isn't a library that's particularly attached to HTTP client, like some HTTP client helper libraries that that, that are out there. Um, you can use it for anything. So to give a kind of completely different example, some poly users are using poly to help make um, spec flow tests, behavior-driven development tests um, more reliable. So they had a case where some of those tests had transient failures or unreliable because it depended on how long it took the underlying page to load. I think that was the case they brought. And they were able to use Poly to make that test slightly more reliable by saying, well, let's retry that click event. Um, I mean, I think there, I think there are questions and issues to be thought through if you're applying Poly to a flaking test. You want to really know the reason why it's a flaky test and if that's a good idea. But it's a good classic example of how people are coming along and seeing what poly can do. And yes, you're totally able to, to reapply it to, to something different. Uh, yeah, another classic example that, that people have used is to use retry for reauthentication. So it may be you're calling a third party API that, you know, you need to have an authentication cookie for to know that you're allowed to put calls through to the API. But that cookie expires every 24 hours or whatever um, and you don't want to have a complex code process to make sure you're authenticated so you can just use poly to handle that it's not exactly a, a network connectivity fault but you could put in a retry policy geared to that and, and that's where poly's specificity becomes really useful so you can define a policy targeted at just that one kind of exception say an authorization exception or the particular http status code you get back for that and you might define that you want to retry that just once or just twice um 
or or in the on retry you want to re-establish the authentication in the on retry but then only retry the underlying uh, once or twice because of that cause I mean, it's a really interesting example because sometimes if your authentication's wrong the last thing you want to do is retry it 10 times because then you might hit their lockout criteria and that user gets locked out and if something else has gone wrong you've got a much bigger debugging job for the devops team to do because they've actually got to go back and reset their lockout. So when people come with that pattern, I advise, you know, retry just once, twice, because all you're trying to do is reestablish the authentication. Um, and again, it's a classic case of, of where you can use the policy wrap. So you might have a retry once for that, but for other kinds of exception, you might have your classic exponential back off policy and you can combine them both. Poly just lets you put policies together in a kind of onion skin layers wrapping approach. You can use more than one round of call. On the point of the um, the example where you might want to get another cookie because it's expired after a day or whatever it happens to be. When I was playing with Polly, I, I used the on retry. So I'd make my request. I might get back in unauthorized. I would do something in my on retry. And in, in, the, in the example we're talking about, it might be go off and fetch a new cookie. But how do I get that cookie into the request that I'm retrying? Because I assume the request I'm retrying is identical to the request I tried first with the bad cookie. Yeah, so that's a, that's an interesting question. So I guess in the detail of the code, you'll have two different delegates in play there. You'll have one delegate, which is the code you're executing at each try, and you'll have another delegate you specified, which is the one you want to run on retry. And effectively, to do this pattern we're talking about, you're going to have to share some variables across those two delegates, just sharing variables across the closure. So that cookie that you got back from the on retry, you can pass into the delegate you're executing again by virtue of the fact it's shared but really good question is poly the only the only game out there for dotnet is there anything else um it is more or less the only game out there there are some other um libraries that have kind of got individual circuit breakers in but it's the only thing out there with the kind of traction we have um i guess a lot of people come to poly because they're looking for something like Hystrix. So, you know, obviously because of the, the publicity that Netflix have got, a lot of people have heard of Hystrix. And that's where we started when we were looking for resilience. And you start looking for Hystrix for .NET and you find out that there isn't really an established complete port of Hystrix to .NET. Um, so, no, there isn't anything of comparable scale. Um, as one thing that is also out there but is a little out of date now uh, that people might have heard of is uh, the transient fault handling application block to give it its snappy name uh, for Windows Azure, which is sometimes referred to as Topaz. Um, and that's been out there, but it hasn't been updated since 2013, I think. And it's Azure specific. It's tied into making specific calls to Azure databases or uh, and so on. Um, so no, there's nothing really equivalent. Um, it's kind of worth saying that Poly isn't a direct port of Hystrix because Hystrix has certain particular ways. It was constructed to deal with those very high volume consumer facing scenarios um, that Netflix wanted to handle. And we can do that in Poly too, but kind of Netflix's approach was very geared to that and quite heavyweight in some ways compared to poly and we've, we've tried to keep poly very lightweight so the separate policies they end up as 
very small lightweight instances you can use them anywhere you don't have to learn a whole bank of different strategies you just use the ones you want to you can use the same policy with any bit of code um it's quite a different philosophy really where do you see the future of poly we've got so many ideas which is um one of the kind of exciting things um so we've got a a cash policy that's that's in process at the moment so the idea of that is it's the kind of the cash aside pattern um so you know if you've got common results that you're going to need to reserve um you can cash them you don't have to sit the underlying system again um you can keep them in a very nearby server if you're in the cloud and you've got multi-location so overall you're reducing latency um some people have asked about a rate limit policy to only put calls through to an underlying system at a certain rate um we're developing a policy registry that people can put all their registry uh, policies in and call them out by key um by far the biggest thing though is to add metrics and telemetry to po uh, to poly and that's where um you know Histrix for Java has absolutely led the way and blazed the trail. And, um, you know, a lot of people want to see that in Poly. So we're starting work on that across this spring, summer. So, you know, we want to be able to give uh, users metrics like um, how many times the circuit breaker is breaking or what percentage of the time it's breaking, how many retries had to be made on average over the last hour against this endpoint to achieve successes, um, what was the bulkhead capacity average over time, all of those kind of things, the tele uh, telemetry. Um, and we get essentially every policy is going to emit events. We're going to aggregate them with reactive extensions and build it in a componentized way so that you can use whatever dashboard you like, but I think we're going to target App Insights first because it's there for .NET. It's well established, um, e easy to give demonstration examples for people of, of how to get something going, and a lot of people are using that with uh, with their with their cloud solutions. If people want to help, is there help working? Absolutely. Um, any um, any open source project is only as strong as. Um, you know, the, the contributor base that's contributing. So obviously as AppVNX, we're there. I'm putting a lot of time into it and have over 2016 to really grow what it does. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and particularly with the um, metrics and telemetry work coming up, we want to hear what people want and we would love more people with RX skills to come on board to help define that. Um, and it's a very high profile project. We're part of the .NET Foundation now. You know, it's a chance for talented developers to make their mark, get visibility. So, um, and we've got more ideas then we've got time to implement at the moment. So yeah, absolutely. People are um, very welcome. And where can we find websites, GitHubs, and so on? Yeah, so um, I think really just Google for Polly on on GitHub. Um, we have a GitHub presence. We have a Slack channel, which is at www.polytalk.org, but you can also find links to that from github um on github we've marked specific issues as up for grabs that anyone can get stuck into um on the slack channel come along and ask questions um and in terms of documentation also that's all there um on github we've got 
we, we try to cover all the syntax and all the policies in the readme so there's just one document where everything is but we've also got a, a wiki pages where we dive into each policy in depth so if you really want to know how it works and, and how to use it and what the kind of things we've been talking about today what its philosophy is um that that's all there Almost half past midnight your time. So any final notes before we wrap up and let you get to bed? Uh, no, I think that's that's uh, absolutely great. But um, we'd just love to have more people on board and involved. We'd love to hear what people want. Um, it's a very exciting project. And um, thank you very much for your time. It's been a great pleasure talking. Thank you very much, Dylan Reisenberger. opening music was the return by Nisi23 from the album 11 and 12, and the closing music was A1 Rogue by Poddington Bear from the album Brooding.